are set realities that are comparable to a set moral scale. Welcome to Reasonable Faith. My name is Jillian Brown, and I will be guiding in our conversations as we talk about the necessary existence of God. There is an objective scale outside of myself that I can compare behavior to. This scale is what makes evaluating the morality of people's actions possible and different from human opinion. So how can we see this concept at work? My philosophy is like there are always opposites in the world. If there's an up, there's going to be a down. If there's a left, there's going to be a right. So if there's a good, there's going to be a bad. So it's like where's our concept of that good come from and how do we prove what's good versus what's bad and like obviously society has its own standards and norms and rules and regulations you know there are laws about oh well murder is bad this is bad and you also have the morality of like this is good helping the elders is good being generous is good being selfless is good we have these societal norms how do we actually know what is good or bad and that's like kind of where the faith bit kind of comes in um, and like the gospel and the Bible and whatnot. Um, and so as babies and as human beings, we are born with this selfish conscience. Nobody sits there and tells a two-year-old like, hey, if somebody goes and steals your candy, you're going to go and slap them across the face because that's what you need to do. It's natural to us. Our sinful nature is natural to us. Um, and when we do something that's bad in terms of like society or even just morality we have a feeling like there's a feeling of bad versus doing something good you know that feeling of good so it's like where does this moral standard come from if i came up and slapped you you would be like that's bad it would just like not be okay for me to walk up to you and be like slap across the face oh what i did was good i think we can come to a agreeing consistent that that is bad um now if i were to walk up somebody else and stab them now that would also be bad would i go to jail for stabbing them most likely would i go for jail for slapping you probably not i don't think i would go to jail for slapping you across the face um so that's where society takes things as like there are different degrees of bad if we can come to a consistency that there is good then we know that there's going to be bad or if we know that there is bad and things are bad, then we can also know that there's going to be a good and there has to be a good somewhere. Um, and that's where like kind of the existence of God comes into play. Well, if we know that there's a bad and there's that things that we can do that are bad and things that we do from birth are bad, then there has to be some sort of form of good that we can turn to and go to. And I could ramble on forever about the whole gospel and like how God is our good and how he's never said it was going to be easy, but it's the best route to take. Um, But yeah, that's kind of like our consistency of good and bad. So most people can gauge that there are morally good and bad things. Let's look at this concept on a larger scale. I talked to Dr. Williams, a missionary and Christian studies professor at Anderson University. In my experience overseas and a number of different cultures, uh, in, in every culture there is acceptable behavior, good and unacceptable behavior bad. Now that can vary from culture to culture, but I I have yet to experience any situation where there wasn't some basic understanding among the people group as to what is appropriate and what's not appropriate. And I think there are a number of philosophical 
um, positions, arguments for the existence of some higher order in the universe. And I am very comfortable with the approach that C.S. Lewis has, and his argument is basically the fact that we do believe that there is some sense of right and wrong or appropriate or inappropriate that all human beings share, even though we don't necessarily agree on uh, the details of what that is, all human beings have some idea that some things are right and some things are wrong. And I think that does point to the existence of some higher standard that we need to be aware of. Having worked in the Muslim world, there's a feature of some Islamic societies is called honor killings. They're predominantly an honor-shame culture, whereas uh, in, the, in our Western world, in the U.S. specifically, we're more of a guilt and innocence. Either I'm guilty or I'm innocent. Well, in, in a Muslim society, uh, the real key is to, to have honor. Your family and your community has to live honorably. And part of the significance of the honor of their community is that the women have great purity, sexual purity. And so if a, a, a Muslim woman is ever uh, accused of, whether it's proven or not, but generally if she's accused of being an immoral person by their standards, uh, the honor of the family can only be restored by killing her. You don't deal with it, your family becomes dishonorable. And so to them, it's right to kill a woman who has been accused of immorality. Uh, and um, that's, that's a standard they have that I don't think is particularly biblical. Hospitality is very, very much very important in the Islamic culture. And to them, hospitality is of higher value than honesty. So if I'm going to be hospitable to you, you come in and, and I empty my pantry to feed you a, a lavish meal, um, and, and tell you how pleased I am that, that you came, even if I'm thinking, why in the world did you show up now? I, I don't, it's the end of the month and there's no grocery money left. Uh, see, it's, it's more important to be hospitable than to be honest. So I, I think most cultures have some idea that some things are, are a, a greater good than other things and some things are a worse evil than other things. I, I served for a number of years in a, in a country that had predominantly a Marxist government and some of the people there who professed to be followers of Jesus were actually more unkind to me than the, than the Marxist government was. So it's, um, uh, I, I think one thing I've found that whatever people's expressed position is, uh, I have yet to meet a human being that was totally consistent. Mm. But if, if you think in terms of uh, physics, there is no such thing as darkness. You, you can't introduce darkness into something. You can only remove light from it. So that darkness is not really darkness. It's just the absence of light. It's the same way with heat. Uh, if, if you air condition a building, you're not really pumping cold into the building. You're removing heat. And, and I think good and evil is kind of the same way. Uh, God is often accused of being responsible for evil um, because if he's all-powerful, then everything that happens is, is his fault. Um, and yet I, my, own, um, my own comfort zone, I guess, in that regard is the fact that God made us to be good and he tells us what's good and what's not. He is not the author of evil, but he has given us the choice to not do good and the result is evil. So that, that's kind of how I, I explain it to myself. Uh, I'm not the first one or the only one to come up with that if you study 
the, the issue. You'll find other people that, that do that, but that's, that's the one that makes the most sense to me. For, for a total materialist, an atheistic materialist who says that the only thing that exists is, is what we see and touch and feel, that there's, uh, there's no supernatural, there's no eternity, it's just all uh, the world that we see is all there is. On that basis, then uh, a human being is, is nothing more than uh, a bunch of chemical reactions and electrical impulses. Uh, and it's on that basis, it's almost impossible to account for the fact that there is any sense of right or wrong. It's just what's um, expedient for me is okay, and what damages me is not okay. Uh, and yet, the, uh, anthropologically speaking, they, they have yet to, to come into contact with any cultural group that does not have an idea of right and wrong or good and bad. So I, the, the idea that there is not some higher um, understanding, some higher principle, some higher authority that does uh, mandate good and evil, uh, the, the experience of human beings in this world just won't bear that out. Many cultures understand the concept of good and evil, and this implies the necessity of some existence outside of ourselves we can compare these things to. Here's what my dad had to say about this one. This argument works by saying, if there is a God, then good and evil exist as realities. They are real things, if there's a God. And they're not just illusions that we believe in. Those are, it is very real. And if there is not a God, then good and evil collapse as realities together with him. And so do things like justice and even fairness. If there's not a God, if there's not a divinity, then all life is, even sentience becomes illusory. It's, it's just a... It's just a good show. But I'm nothing but an animal that, you know, the, that the process of evolution happened to equip with the ability to talk, you know, and, and, and express more complex thought than other animals do. But there, there's no good or evil in apes or dogs if they, they don't go to war. You know, they, just, they fight. Um, you know, even ants that go to war are not good or evil because they lack the, the moral nature. Well, without a God to justify moral uh, measurements against, then good and evil collapse too, and everything becomes a preference and opinion game. Uh, it's, it's God that makes this real. But the truth is, everybody feels it's real. We all love justice. We all want justice. We want fairness. We don't want people to be oppressed or abused or mistreated. Everybody wants that. Why? Well, because there's a God that inspires that belief in all of us. We're designed to respond to it. It's, it's essential to human nature 
to despise evil and love good. At least to want to, even if we don't do it perfectly. It doesn't matter what your religious perspective is. If you watch someone beating on a child, you don't feel good about it. You know, you, you immediately react badly to it. Now, the, what this argument does is it provides an explanation for that, a, a justification. I can say um, that it's, it's evil to torture and murder a child. Or to torture and murder an adult. I mean, those are those are evil things to do. Well, why? Because that behavior does not line up with the nature of God. So I've got an exterior standard against which I am measuring the behavior. And it's not me. It's something outside of me. Something besides me. Um, an ultimate reality that describes this is good. So when I run into something that is kind of good, what I, what I as, as Christian can say is, that leans towards God. Or something that is really excellent somehow reflects God. And something that is bad or leans towards God is leaning away from God's nature. It's not like him. He wouldn't do that, or he isn't like that. So I have an external and objective standard against which I am measuring why I say something is good or evil. So I can justify my perspective. It's not just my opinion. I'm measuring against something. But if I don't have God... Something really weird happens to that universal human behavior. Suddenly it's not, uh, okay, well, I, that, that is really, really bad. Why? What makes the torturing of children bad? What makes the, the mass murder of a given ethnicity bad? Why were the, the Hutus wrong to do what they did to the Tutsis? Or why was Hitler wrong to do what he did to the Jews? Or why was Stalin wrong to do what he did to the mass disappearances in the 30s and in the 50s? Or why was Mao wrong to, to kill you know, all those like 100 million people during the Great Leap Forward uh, by starvation? Why was that bad? And I can justify why I say that's bad, because that's something that God would never do. You know, there's a foundation on which my opinion rests that isn't just me. But if I don't have an external standard, then it becomes very difficult to explain why he was wrong to do it. You know, if it's just... It's, it's my opinion that it was bad. Evil becomes that which is icky. Instead of, that is genuinely and inherently bad, it's from the perspective of the observer. I don't like it. But it's not itself bad. You know, because I can, I can find in human cultures reasons why those things might be advantageous to one group or another. It benefits Mao and his party because it keeps him in power and it keeps the society under control, keeps the population from running away and getting beyond its resources. So if you just care about things like that, 
well then what Mao did was why was fine from his perspective. But I think that what Mao did was wretchedly evil because God would never do it. It's very, very hard to find somebody who would who would actually buy the idea, well yeah, it was it was okay. We just think it's icky. We just think it's gross. Good and evil either has a standard you can measure it against, or it's just my opinion. So this comparison of good and evil actions is universal and implies the existence of something higher that we are comparing ourselves to. As Dr. Williams said, evil is the absence of good. Therefore, this existence cannot be evil and must be all good. Therefore, it is reasonable to believe in an omnipotent existence that supplies morality to all creation. Therefore, it is reasonable to believe in God. Thank you for listening to Reasonable Faith, a beginner's exploration of classical apologetics. If you found this podcast helpful, please consider sharing it with a friend or leaving a five-star review. See you next time.